This week on the Michelle Mission, Vincent and I listened to voicemails from the listeners. And we play Six Degrees of Durval Martin to Steve Carell, as well as Francis McDormand. And then we get into the movie review of Porgy and Bess after we get into the story of the movie of Porgy and Bess. From 1959, starring Sidney Poitier, Dorothy Dandridge, and Sammy Davis Jr., directed by Otto Preminger. You do not want to miss all of this and more on The Michelle Mission. Welcome to The Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I'm joined as always by my partner. Hey, what's up? This is Len, aka The Bat Triple. And as we continue our march, surely and steadily towards 300, tonight's stop is with a real jewel, with a real treasure from Black pop culture, Black art, the American letters. That would be 1959's Porgy and Bess, directed by Otto Priminger. I should probably put quotes around directed, (laughs) but that speaks to, to many, one of the many Many, 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 many contextual elements around this film. Starring Sidney Poitier, Dorothy Dandridge, Sammy Davis Jr. Mm-hmm. With appearances by Diane Carroll, Brock Peters, and Pearl Bailey. Mm-hmm. Based on Porgy and Bess, the opera by Du Bois Haywood and featuring the music of George and Ira Gershwin. This was the choice of Lynn Webb, and we have a whole lot to talk about. Oh, boy. With Porgy and Bess. But Mm. before we get to Porgy and And Bess, Bess. what's going on, Lynn? How are you? I am doing good, my friend. How are you doing? I am also well. I am also well. What's going on? Any, uh, any, uh, what's, what's going on over there? Well, Nothing much, but I want to give a shout out to each and every one of you out there who are um, enjoying us if we are streaming via StreamYard to our Facebook group, as well as on to YouTube and on Twitch as well. And to all of you out there in the chat, hello, 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 hello. Good evening, one and all. Yes, one and all of you. Um and I saw that, uh, speaking of wishing everybody a, a nice salutations, I also saw that one Robert Monroe Jr. was quick to give us a hearty, happy first contact day. Happy first contact day. Why don't you explain to the listeners exactly what first contact day refers to? First contact day is a Star Trek reference. This mm-hmm is the day in the Star Trek mythos where the Vulcans made contact with humans. Human beings utilize a warp drive for the first time, caught the attention of Vulcans, and this was the beginning of what ended up being the Federation. Right. So for Star Trek fans, today is a significant day because this is the beginning. Right. And and if I remember correctly, it's it's the date. Not that it happened. This it's the year. date, not the year, because I believe the year is 2020. 
2068 something maybe? like that yeah yeah, yeah. 26 like it's, it's it's not like 21 something it's right 20, right 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 yeah. which which that may be the the next big science fiction date that we're going towards you know it always bugs me out we've passed so many of those big science fiction dates mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we've passed the date that michael j fox traveled to in the future in in back to the future yes obviously we've passed 1999 obviously we've passed 2001 mm-hmm. we've passed judgment day we passed 1984 Terminator. we passed ago. 1984 uh i think i mentioned this a couple of years ago on 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 the show we've passed the the year that soylent green is based in yes you yes you did yeah. mention that yes. we've passed all of the blade runner years mm, really yeah because we passed the years that the replicants were born hmm. and we passed the, the date that the movie was set in. I think the movie set in 2020. Yeah. So we've passed everything. Oh, so, so judgment, not judgment day, a uh, first contact day may be our last date left. Maybe the last date left. Yeah. Well, well, there you go. Um, Sharon Eldridge hey, is Sharon. saying, isn't Soylent Green 2022? Yeah. Oh right, so right. This year's twenty twenty. Right, this year's Soylent Green Day. Right, Soylent Green, the Soylent Green Year, rather. And it's it's uh, very fitting that we heard from Sharon Eldridge. Okay. Who I learned. Okay. Is a Derville Martin fan. Hey. You look there, ladies and gentlemen. There, that is a picture of Sharon Eldridge rocking her Derville Martin swag. All right, go on, Sharon. Six degrees. Of Sharon Eldridge. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So thank you. Thank you yes, very much. Thank Sharon. you. We appreciate that. Appreciate the, uh, the um, you know, the patronage. It's a great shirt. I think it's a nice shirt myself. I'm going to keep saying that. I love the design. <laughs> well, I, I, I'd, I'd aff- I wish you loved this so much that you would take a picture of. Yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't put it on yet. I'm waiting for it to get warm. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. like that's the problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's the problem, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You, you just don't know. For th- those who follow us on our Facebook group, you'll see that Vincent and I just this past weekend we were very, very um, proud to take part in the study hall improv show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big here fun. in Philadelphia as part of uh, Philly Theater Week um, study hall is an event where lecturers go down and give a five to seven minute lecture on their um, specialty. Mm-hmm. And then this improv group will go in and then create a, a skit from that, that lecture. Yeah. It's a great concept. It's a very cool concept. Yeah. And Vincent and I were very proud to be asked to come down and talk about the Michelle mission and talk about black movies for five to seven minutes um, and then the the crew of Study Hall proceeded to really rip us a new one in their improv. Yes, yes, it, did. it, it was, was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And if you're on, on our Facebook group, you'll see that there are photos of us um, at the event on uh, posted to the Facebook group as well as on Instagram, I believe. And trust me, these pictures only came about because someone else had the camera. And right, I was able right. to pin Vincent down, right, right, so that right. he would take the photo. But it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. We it had a, was. We it had a was. good time. Um, it was. It's, it's nice 
we are finally moving back to live events. Live events. I, mm-hmm. I know it's only April. It's barely April, but wouldn't it be nice if we could do something for Halloween for the first time in three years? Well, you know, um, Vincent, speaking of that, our our old haunt, haunt mm-hmm. before our what once was annual Halloween show, Amalgam Comics and Coffee House has reopened for uh, live in-person pat- patronage. Well, we and they're having special events there again. Let's say it live on the mic. Let's cross our fingers. Maybe God willing, the crick don't rise. 2022, we can go back to a Halloween movie showing. I would love, I would absolutely love that. Yeah. See, see, but now, I hate you, Vincent, because you do this all the time. Because now you've got me distracted because now I'm just wondering, all right, what movie are we going to watch? Right, right. Well, we can get to that. We can figure out a movie. I want to figure it out now. <laughs> I'll advertise that bad boy now. <laughs> Vincent, I got, a, I, got a, I got a treat for you. Okay. As promised. As promised. We have voicemail. <laughs> Boy, you field of dreams this. <laughs> You built it and they came. We have voicemails, Vince. Now we've only we've we've got three. These are the first three voicemails that we've received. Right. We'll have more as we build up toward till episode three hundred. This is the inaugural voicemail. This is the, this. It, a matter of fact, <laughs> take a listen. Hi, this is uh, Aaron Fry calling just to say hello, and hopefully, I'm the first one to make this voicemail to your new uh, show voicemail system so thanks for everything you guys do have a good day bye thank you Aaron you hear hear his voice yes there you go there you go and he was the very first voicemail now if you read something from him from him I'll hear his voice see 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 all right all right see see all right who's Who's next? Uh, oh, now, oh, now you want to oh, hear now, who's now, next. Now I want to hear. Right, right, right. <laughs> now look at you. Right. Y'all a tingle. <laughs> <laughs> Clowning me for th- four, three months. Well, as we as we all know, a redheaded woman makes a choo-choo jump his tracks. So. <laughs> I smell a t-shirt. Anyway. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I ain't trying to get sued by the Gershwins point yeah because right. apparently they don't play with porgy and Beth. <laughs> no they do not <laughs> next voicemail next voicemail what's up missionaries this beats a long email huh all right i got a couple of points for y'all um y'all did a couple of tupac movies i've always felt like killmonger and black panther was channeling bishop thoughts is this just me the oakland dude singing oakland stuff everywhere Number two, Abbott Elementary. How silly is it? I love this show. But, yeah, you guys are there, and I'm like, what's up with that? Number three, Lynn, you're wrong about Ghost Dog. Dog. And number four, Vincent. Can you get from Durville Martin to Shirley Temple and Six Boobs? Keep up the show, folks. Keep up the mission. I'll look forward to seeing y'all on the live stream. We did Shirley Temple. We did do Shirley we did Temple. Do Shirley Temple. We did do Shirley Temple. That is very true. And um, Maurice, I'm not wrong about Ghost Dog. 
every, the rest of us are. Um, <laughs> let's hit rewind because I had a fair amount of missionaries that were on my side okay, about right, mission right, about Ghost right. Dog. All have right. you watched Abbott Elementary? I still have not watched Abbott Elementary. It's really good. Okay, here's here's what's keeping me from watching Abbott Elementary. No, because I did start to watch it uh-huh. for like a couple of minutes. Okay. But then I realized that it was done in one of those like um uh like the office, like fake documentary. Right, right, right. Styles. The mockumentary style. And I'm tired of that style. So the second I saw that, I was sure. like, I, I checked out. And and I you know what? A, that is fair. B, I think it's easing out of it a bit. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And the only reason I'm hesitating is because I like it so much that I don't know if maybe I just don't notice it anymore. Mm. I will say that, and I I hate to just call him Everybody Hates Chris, but he's always going to be Everybody Hates Chris to me. The, The little brother. Oh, the, who was Chris? Right, right. On there. Right. Okay. What's his name? So I stopped calling him. Like, he's a grown ass man. I he he is very him. much a. Uh, and he's a, he's a good little actor. Yeah. He's, he's more than a good little actor. Yeah. It's, he's a, I know. A, he's, a, he's a grown man. Tyler James Williams. Tyler James Williams does still do a bit of the gym look at the camera. Okay. But as far as the cutaways, mm-hmm. it's not as heavy as okay. it was in the first couple of episodes. Okay. And it's a really good little show, and, and the cast is. You tight. keep okay. You keep saying it's a good little show, which you know makes why? me think that you, you it's like why? it's cute. Well, you know why? It, and and uh, this is appropriate enough because you said you want to talk about it. We're in the midst of this real television show renaissance. Like like like. What, what There's a lot of about? good stuff on TV, or or, or just the, the level of it. You, you know, Atlanta. Um, um, Better Call Saul is about to come back. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready to make a public statement about Severance, but yeah. Severance is is trying to do something really deep and interesting. Mm-hmm. Abbott Elementary is an old school sitcom. O- old school now. Old mm-hmm. school now. Like I don't think she's trying to recreate the wheel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's trying to do anything quote unquote cutting edge right it's just a really solid like like appropriately enough it does remind me of the office Mm -hmm. or parks and rec like these are just good solid workplace television like everything don't have to be atlanta right and it's really good as far as how philly it is i don't i don't i don't know how philly is i know they 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 name check danny walked up and you didn't you know like, about Danny Walk. Well, so I told you about Danny. I, I didn't want to say that. I went to Danny Walk after I saw the episode of Abbott Elementary. It's all right. <laughs> it wasn't bad. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, it wasn't bad. I didn't say it's remaking a wheel. No, no, no. Like, I hear you, but but yeah. It's so so they they went. That's that that's Philly. That's a pretty deep. That's cut. That's a deep cut. Yeah, Philly. Danny Walk is a pretty deep cut. Yeah. So I I I, I ain't mad at them for that. Yeah. Uh, what was the third thing? Oh yeah, uh, channeling Bishop. And Killmonger. 
And I, th- I, I and I take it he's referring to Bishop of X Men. No, Bishop from um, I don't know from from Juice. Oh, oh, really? I mean, there is a bit of brokenness to Killmonger too that you get with Bishop. I guess like that kind of lashing out because they're broken. Yeah, I guess the difference to me is that with Killmonger, at least as far as we know, he definitely was broken. He was definitely lashing out, but he was on his own and trying to find his own way. Well, I think you got the sense Bishop was too. Yeah, see, Remember but the difference his, but the, his but the, father or grandfather, but he was like catatonic. Yeah, but the, the difference with Bishop, at least as we're seeing. Bishop very much did have a brotherhood that he could lean on, and that was there, right, to be leaned on, right. If right, you know, right. they offered it to him, right, continuously, right. You know, um, and he just he he just went left of there, yeah. So I mean, like there there, and to me, that's a a big difference okay you know killmonger seemed seemingly was very much a loner wanted to be alone right now if you want to argue that bishop as portrayed by tupac and um juice is maybe the origin story of killmonger and then he's alone after that right maybe right you know right but it's not a bad pull Right, right. Well, again, I think both of them are examples of hurt people, hurt people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see. Movies and Merlot. Hello, hello, hello. Says that, yes, Severance is that series. And Abbott Elementary is so funny. There you go. There you go. Well, Movies and Merlot agrees with you. Movies and Merlot agrees. I Like I said, I'm not ready to talk about Severance. I, I got to get back into it. I got to, I, I watched it and I, I enjoyed it. I just, it's like, I, like I've told you, it's one of those shows that I can't be working while I'm watching. I so. will say this because I will say this about Severance. This is the first show. <sighs> I don't know the last time I did that stuff where I was waiting for it to drop. Mm. Like it drops at midnight, mm-hmm. like way too much information. Like I take, I take Camille to school early on Fridays. Mm-hmm. So I guess it drops at midnight Friday. So I get to my job early. I sit in the parking lot and watch half of Severance <laughs> before I go in. Just kids looking out your classroom window. What's he doing? Just sitting in the car. Just sitting in the car. Just sitting in the car. Staring at his iPad <laughs> really intensely. <laughs> Like, really intense. Like, he's about to break the screen. He needs to stop gripping it so hard. <laughs> All right, that's enough. I just did two. I just gave Apple two free ads. That's you enough did, of that. Vincent, you did. All right, what's the third? Meanwhile, meanwhile, while you're intensely watching Severance, you know what I binged this past weekend? What? Perfect uh, Strangers. Uh, what's it what's from 1983? It? ABC. <laughs> no, it wasn't uh, Perfect Strangers. I don't want Wings to... from 1987. NBC. No. Okay. I watched uh, 
watch out for the big girls lizzo's uh new series that is okay. on amazon all right and she is looking for um, dancers right She's dancers, for new dancers plus yeah. size dancers yeah for her tour okay uh, i i binged the entire season okay this smells like you were watching it with somebody else and this wasn't your idea <laughs> circle gets the square um <laughs> I do have to say, though, I, you know, found my way. Yeah, I was interested. All right. It's cool. Okay. It's whatever. It it was fun. All right. It was short. (laughs) Will there be a season two? Did did they set up a season two? There's no cliffhanger. There's no cliffhanger? There's no cliffhanger. So I don't know if there'll be a season two. Okay. But it it was cute. It's cute enough. All right. Um, We have a final voicemail the final voice the final voice all right who we got hello my name is sabria i'm calling because i'm a fellow missionary also known as bribri 517 um the reason for my call today was just to let you know how much i love you all and how much i really enjoy the podcast although i will say it was really difficult to find your phone number to call in to tell you about this on the phone. Um, I know you've been advertising it, but um, unfortunately it's not pinned to either your Instagram or your Facebook or your website or your YouTube. And so I actually had to watch the show again in order for me to get the phone number. So just a little FYI, just in case you want to make sure that everyone has access to this phone number, it would probably be a good idea to pin it. Um, Anyway, just to let you know that um, I did find your show through another friend of your show, um, actor Omar Dorsey, um, from famous for his his acting on Queen Sugar. Um, so he actually was also a really good um, fan favorite of the show, the podcast that I used to watch, um, well, that I used to listen to, was called um, Denzel Washington is the Greatest Actor of All Time, period, with W. Kamal Bell, as well as Kevin Avery. And so I'm a fellow Denzelit as well, who was turned on to your show because Omar Dorsey tweeted this um, tweet of, of that I will always remember, saying that the episode that you reviewed of Driving Miss Daisy was the funniest episode that he's ever listened to in his entire life. And I have to agree because I listened to it and I cracked up laughing. It was the best ever. So um, also just want to let you know that I recommend that you please review some horror movies coming up. I understand that, you know, you have a month for horror, and so we don't always do horror movies all the time, but I would really recommend a horror movie called His House that is now currently playing, I believe, on Netflix. I'm not sure if it was ever released in theaters, so I don't know if it meets your criteria, but if you could look that up, that would be great. Um, it was so good. It wasn't a, it's not a slasher film, so you don't have to worry about that, because I know, you know, Vince is not into the slasher flicks, but... It is a really great horror movie. Like, it's haunting, it's good, it's visual. It really deals with important topics as far as when it comes to refugees and fleeing that war-torn country and what's currently going on now. Um, It's really prescient in the moment. So just like to give that as a recommendation. Um, I love you both. I love the show. I've been a fan since almost day one, um, since that episode of Driving the Stage, definitely. So... Thank you. Keep up the good work. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Oh, thank you, Sabria. That was what a nice email. Lynn, 
you pin the number. I have put the number on our Facebook okay. page. I will be putting it into our Instagram. And the poor woman looking Twitter, everywhere. I know. I know. On the YouTube, on the Instagram, on the Facebook. I know. Well, on our MySpace. Is a scavenger hunt. I know. <laughs> but uh, she found it. She's finding the voicemail number. She won. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do we have? We have played our voicemail. Yeah. No, Sabria, thank you so very thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you so very much. We are huge fans of Omar Dorsey. Absolutely. And we hope to get, have do. him and uh dorian back on the show and actually uh, i plan to try and reach out to w kamal bell is very he's a very busy man yeah absolutely but we definitely are hoping to reach out reach out and connect with kevin avery to bring him on to the show yeah because um, yeah. i too was a fan of the denzel washington podcast and um would love to have him and I, and I love comedians so i'd love to just have him on the show and, and bust it out with us so right 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 definitely shout out to omar and dorian oh most definitely I feel like we've been just missing them we have and, and that's exa- exactly exactly yeah. exactly we what just, it has been just miss them, so you know just keep just keep missing them guys. doing good work fellas so um deborah battle used to listen to the uh denzel pod as well and blue girl 718 uh, is a fellow Denzel. So we got a whole lot of Denzelas over there here. There you go. A lot of overlap. A lot of overlap. And that's good. Yeah, absolutely. That's very good. We also, it looks like we maybe have someone new on or, or Facebook, Wendy LaFaust, uh, or LaFoss. Uh, hopefully, I'm, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Wants to know when will we start talking about the movie? Well, <laughs> we're, 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 we're getting there. We're strolling there. We're, 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 we're we are making there. our way to talking about Porgy and Bess, but we will be talking about yes. Porgy and Bess very soon, uh, Wendy. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for taking the time to listen to, uh, and join us tonight. Um, that's our voicemails. We do have a couple of emails, Vincent, as okay. well. All right. Um, so, you know, we've been, we've been hearing from our listeners. Uh, we heard from Raymond Cummings. Hey, Raymond. Hey guys, I commented on the show's Facebook wall at the time, but it seems like emailing or calling is the best way to stand out, so to speak. So here I am. Would you guys consider dedicating an episode or three okay. to Atlanta at some point? Season three started recently, and it's a show that the two of you would get a lot out of. Keep doing what you do. You're brightening my week every week. Best, Ray. Um, Just to answer that question... Uh, I don't know that we would dedicate an episode to uh, talking about Atlanta or specifically any other TV show. And and that's primarily because the Star Trek fans in our orbit would kill us. Yes. Um, after promising to do multiple shows about Star Trek that we haven't been able to get to. Um, but we do... We'll, um, we could probably do a binge lounge at some point. We're, we're overdue we for a binge lounge. binge lounge list. Talk about Atlanta. Yeah. And, 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 and it, that might be fun to do like, because this is the, it, the third season. This has is the third off. season that they've either filmed or are in the midst of finishing up filming the fourth season, which is going which to be, be the, the final, last season, final season. Yeah. So it might be fun to talk about it after the third season, right, kind of like right. put the show in some type of context, right. Going into wherever the fourth season right. takes us. So um, we can we can certainly do that for you, right? And, and it is a show that both of us uh, great, very much enjoy. We actually were talking about it. We were. Before we, we were. turned I, on I, the cameras. I, I think Donald Glover is, is actually creating great art with Atlanta. He is. So 
He is indeed. All right, Wendy, I know you're waiting for us to get to, to um, Porky and Bess, and we are going to get there, I promise you. However, uh, we do have one last bit of business that we have to take care of okay. um, before we get there, and that is we have to play Six Degrees <laughs> of Dervell Martin. Yes, yes. Six degrees of Durbell Martin, ladies and gentlemen. For those who are asking for theme music, we, we threw there, some theme there music you there. Go. There you go. We threw some theme music right there for Six Degrees of Durbell Martin, uh, where Vincent, I forgot, we have to explain it to Wendy. There you go. There's always, Wendy is, Wendy is the first time. Every episode is potentially someone's first episode. Exactly. So, this is where we use um, the 70s character actor Dervell Martin and Vincent uses him as a linchpin to get from six movies or less to another actor and I have an actor for you Vincent. Right, Lynn chooses the actor Yes. In six movies or less, get from Dervell Martin to Steve Carell Oh, okay star of yeah, 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 uh, Netflix's yeah, 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 yeah. Space Force. Space Force. Oh, yeah. Okay. Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. Devereaux Martin is in. Mm-hmm. How do I want to do this? Okay, real quick. Devereaux Martin is in Five on the Black Hand Side. Yes. With um with um, Dick Anthony Williams. Dick Anthony Williams is in Mo Better Blues with Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. Denzel Washington is in Philadelphia with Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks is in the Green Mile with Michael Clark Duncan. Michael Clark Duncan is an anchorman with Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. No, Michael Clark Duncan is in Talladega Nights with Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell is, of course, in Anchorman with Steve Carell. Oh, that was good. Was that was that five? That might have been six. You might have got there right in six. I mean, I, I mean, I could probably get to him quicker. I was just taking a stroll. Was Michael Clark Duncan in Talladega Nights? Oh my! Did you not see Talladega Nights? No. Oh, Lynn. Excuse me. I, it looks stupid. Oh. I mean, I'm not saying it is, but it looked. I don't. I can't even look at you right now. I, yes, he I, plays the pit I, crew. He's the pit crew boss in Tala. How do you have you not seen Tala Nights, the Ballad of Ricky Bobby? I, very easily. I I kept it moving. <sighs> I didn't see it. I just don't understand. I don't understand you. You watched all the Thin Man movies again. Yes, that's William Powell and Myrna Loy. You're comparing Will Farrell and Michael Clark Duncan to William Powell and Myrna Loy? I say me, sir. Never. Talladega Nights is so funny. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, it looked. It looked yes, Michael. It, yes, Michael Clark Duncan is in Talladega Nights. It looked like typical Will Farrell. I mean, fair. So, and I've seen. I've seen Anchorman. I've seen Anchorman two. 
I've seen. Um, I mean, Anchorman is his do the right thing. Like, like Anchorman really is the the zenith of, of Will the Will Ferrell Adam McKay movies. Yeah, I saw what's the basketball one? I forget. There was a basketball one. I saw oh, that. um, oh yeah. If you saw that, yeah, you should have you should have watched Tal Diggin Ice. Uh, yeah, but that. but haven't seen that. I'm like. <laughs> My daughter just texted me too because <laughs> she there's a part where Michael Clark, Duncan, you know, it's Michael Clark Duncan and Ricky Bobby says something where he he basically says he wants something to happen to him, and Michael Clark yells out, "Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby!" <laughs> and that's what your daughter just texted. That's right? what she just texted because it's right. fantastic. Uh, movies and Merlot. It says we know that Len has different <laughs> taste. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I have I have good taste. I didn't say you didn't have good taste, but you really should semi pro. Semi pro is the name. Semi pro, which yeah. is 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 one of the weaker. Yeah, it was weak into the 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 Will Ferrell, Adam McKay filmography. Yeah, I didn't say he's on television good nights. I'm sorry. You really do have like you know what? If pressed, I would say you have to watch Anchorman. Anchorman is great. And you saw Anchorman. I loved Anchorman. You have to watch Talladega Nights. But those are really the only two you have to watch. And then there are the lesser entries. Like, I'm a Step Brothers fan. I like Step Brothers. I saw Step Brothers. Oh, it's better than Step Brothers. And it's definitely better than Semi-Pro. And it's definitely better than Anchorman, too. Well, there's a lot of things that are better than Semi-Pro. Yeah. So... I don't know. I guess it was because it was right in the wheelhouse. It was like right at that time when he was doing like semi-pro, then he did the racing and then he did the skating. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, I was getting tired of Will Ferrell. Yeah. So like I didn't. Yeah. So, you know, and old school. I, I saw old school. Old school. Old school is also very good. But I think I think Talladega Nights is better than old school. And I love old school. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right. All right. We got another one. I got another one for you. You threw me off with that you you hadn't seen. I just assumed everyone has seen Talladega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby. Why? It's not that. I'm certain it's not that great of a movie. It's not like one of the the 10 greatest. When did that come out? 20 something, right? I mean, I think it's one of the best comedies of the 21st 21st century? century. Absolutely. Like top 10. You know what? Without thinking about it, I'm going to say top five. Okay. All right. Well, we I know, think top we five. Like I said, I think Anchorman is better than that. But comedy is 21st century. I'm trying to think what has come out since 2000 that's better than than Talladega Nights. Well, I, Which that's a whole – right, we're not going to be distracted. Yeah, but, we're not going to be but distracted. Yeah, definitely top ten, arguably top five. Okay. All right. You got somebody else? I got somebody else for you. All right. Who you got? In six movies or less. Six movies or less. Get from Dervell Martin. Dervell Martin to Francis McDormand. Francis McDormand. Okay. Francis McDormand. Francis McDormand. I'm going to go to her through. Hmm. Now, are you seeing the right actress? No, 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 no. I absolutely know who Francis Francis okay. McDormand is. You know how you get sometimes. I'm trying to get to her through. Um, I'm trying to get to her through Fargo. Okay, I'm trying to think of. I can think of two of the actors in Fargo. 
It's William um, H. Macy. It's William H. Macy and Steve Buscemi. Okay. I'm going to go the same starting route, though. Oh, we all know that. I don't always. You know what? <laughs> you know what? F you. But I'm not really thinking F you. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to do it without that. Jovo Martin is in. Jovo Martin. Mm-hmm. Is in um Dolomite with Rudy Ray Moore. Rudy Ray Moore is in the Monkey Hustle with Robert Townsend. Robert Townsend is in Meteor Man with Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle is in Boogie Nights with William H. Macy, who's in Fargo with Francis McDermott. Kiss my ass. <laughs> Very good, Vincent. Very, very, very good. And I say that most strenuously. <laughs> and imagine what I would say if we weren't recording it. I got to use Dick Anthony Williams. <laughs> very good. All right. That's very good, Vince. I, I I applaud you, my friend. You you knocked it out the box. You knocked it out the box. All right. All right, very good. Now, hopefully, we didn't glitch the whole episode because I I mentioned Meteor Man. <laughs> yeah, you know that's <laughs> that's uh, um, Steve Heron says that was damn impressive, <laughs> damn impressive. Lighting on fire, Farrell Blackwell's giving give you sparkles all over the place. Moving in Merlot says nice. It was very well done, Vincent. Very well, well done. That was very oh. well done. Camille also helping out. Francis McDermott was also in the tragedy of Macbeth. I ain't even had to go that far. Well, that was actually in the chat. People yeah, she's sitting right there. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That's nice. Yes. That's nice. I think it's cute that you, your daughter is watching. Yes, it. I love it. That's man. pretty dope. I, hey, hey. It's a family affair. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I have been podcasting and, and, and radio since 2007. Mm-hmm. My daughter has listened to me one time. In Olivia's defense, she's actually a grown-up person with the job and a family and of her own and doing stuff. The one time was when she came with me to the show. Okay. <laughs> well, like I said, got a grandson and she got a husband. And... She she hasn't had a grandson and a husband since 2007. I'm just saying. <laughs> the young lady is busy. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I just think... I, and I love my daughter. <laughs> Breaking news. I do. I do. I said I had a, uh, no, I don't want to give it away. Well, I said I don't want to give it away. He ain't going to know. I had a um, a uh, Batman Easter basket. Nice. Mailed out. Very nice. To my grandson. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He gets it next Monday. I can't Aww. wait. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. Well, you know. So thoughtful. Uh, well, you know. I try. Yeah. I had help, though. I have to be honest. Hey, man. We all get by with a little, little K-bird whispered in my ear. All right. So that was good, Vincent. Very good. All right. Now, Wendy, hopefully you're still with us. Hopefully. Hopefully we've not lost Wendy. Hopefully it means you Wendy. Can circle back, listen to the podcast. She can fast forward it. 
<laughs> well, when you listen to the podcast, there actually is a timestamp. I was about to say time that does take you to right. Right. where the move, uh, the review of the movie. We all experience it differently. We that's true. We all experience. The show but, mission is an experience. It is. Which you can experience differently. Okay. Much like there are different ways to talk about Porgy and Bass. Allow us to display one of them as we get into our review of Porgy and Bess. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. This legendary Gershwin opera set among the black residents of a fishing village in 1912 South Carolina. Bess, a woman with a disreputable history, tries to break free from her brutish lover Crown after he becomes wanted for murder. The only person willing to overlook her past and offer her shelter is the crippled Porgy. Their relationship is threatened by the disapproval of the townspeople, the presence of her old drug supplier, Sportin' Life, and the threatened return of Crown. Directed by Otto Priminger, starring Sidney Poitier as Orgy, Dorothy Dandridge as Bess, Sammy Davis Jr. as Sportin' Life, featuring appearances by Brock Peters, Pearl Bailey and Diane Carroll and featuring the music of the Gershwin brothers. 1959's Porgy and Bess was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn, what do you have to say about Porgy and Bess? Well, as we noted last week on the show, this is a film that is um, surprisingly like not available. That's right. Absolutely. And there is indeed a story (laughs) behind why this film (laughs) is not available. But to get into that story, to reveal that, uh, um, you have to go through the the origin story. Yes. Of this movie, which some might contend is every bit as interesting and perhaps a bit more fascinating and entertaining than the film itself. It, it, is, it is quite the tale. It is quite, quite the tale. This movie, Porgy and Bess, as you noted, is um, based on the opera by Ira and George Gershwin um, from the early part of the 20th century which was um, it in itself based on the original 
play Porgy and Bess um, from Dubois Hayward and his his wife Dorothy, uh, and they devised their play Porgy and Bess based off of the short novel Porgy, um, which, as you talked you talked about, was about a disabled man who wants to rescue this this woman of ill repute, as mm-hmm. as, as we'll say. Um, back in you know the in in um, in Charleston, South Carolina, Ira and George Gerswin, um saw this saw this play. They read the play and they thought that this would be great fodder for an opera to actually build it up um, into more of a musical as opposed to just a standalone standalone play. And they thought that they. Ira and George Gershwin, these two um, brothers, Jewish brothers. Yes, um, which is pertinent to this. It's very pertinent. The, 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 the um, ethnicities of the players involved. Right. These two Jewish brothers felt that they could build on this play that was written about and written written about African-American culture in uh, the deep south of Charleston, South Carolina. This play that was written to be performed by African-American actors um, of of training. The less it's saying. Right, because just, it's an opera. Because it, it's, an, it's an opera. Well, I'm just talking, even talking about the play itself. Mm-hmm. Even before it's built up into an opera. It, it was written to be performed by African-American um, performers but written by Dubois Hayward and Dorothy Hayward, a married couple, a married white couple. Right. You know, don't let the name Dubois fool you. This Mm -hmm. was a white man and his white wife who developed this play because they felt that there was, you know, um, a story there in the lives of... Um, black Southerners, right? These poor rural, these black poor people. rural black black folks. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. You know, um, post slavery, um, uh, uh, they they still see how they toil, um, and someone needs to tell their story, right? So, this white couple writes a play, gets out there, has mitigating success. Ira and George Gershwin read the play. They say, oh, this is great, but we think what it really needs is to play up the melodrama mm-hmm. of it, as most operas do. Right, right. They build it, build it up, build it up in, in, into this grand opera um, with uh, writing origi- original music for it, which they then hired DuBose Hayward to write most of the lyrics, including to the one of the, the biggest hits coming out of this out of this opera, Summertime. Mm-hmm. He writes the lyrics, the Gershwins write the mu- write the music. And they built it up into this grand opera, which in the early days of Hollywood, you know, as as is always the case, Hollywood always looking for an opportunity to 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 um, turn something that's big on stage into something that is can be 
blown up into the movie screens, it catches their eye. And it's specifically, it catches the eye of one Samuel Goldwyn. Samuel Goldwyn, who is one of the biggest um, movie makers of the time. It catches his eye and he's like, oh my, oh my God, yes, I love it. Let's do something. Let's do something with this. We're talking about at this time, we are in the early part of the ni- 1940s and it is time to, to make this into a film and I've got the cast for this film. Um, he hires Harry Cohn to come on as director and he is, they are ready to cast in this film Porgy and Bess, Fred Astaire, Al Jolson, and Rita Hayworth. Yes. Get them all in there. Put them in blackface. Yeah. Blackface, ladies and gentlemen. And and let them while out in this film. They are ready to do that, but the Gershwins say no. Right. The Gershwins say no. We're not going to have that. And to be fair, it's been 20 years. It had been 20 way. years like, at There's that point. this whole, you, you know, it hadn't been financially set, set, the successful. Play, the People opera. said that they saw potential in it, but it really was yeah. a struggle to get to this point. It struggled to get to this point, and they thought that, and, and, and mind you, at this time, Fred Astaire, Rita Hayworth, they are names at this time. Um, so that's why they're trying to get them in there. They see it as a grand musical, even though it's going to be more of an opera. Mm-hmm. Fred Astaire not known for his singing, more for his dancing, but they're just trying to get a name in there. But the Gershwins, who strongly, and it, it, and it's actually a theme throughout m- most of their career, maintained a level of control on how all of their properties are optioned out and mm-hmm. what is done with it. Put in, a pin in, in that, adapt- folks. Adaptation. They, will be important. Right. They say, no, that's not going to happen. This has to have Black performers. Right. So, which now the call goes out. Now we're in early, by now we're in late 40s, early 50s. And the call goes out to who is going to star in this film and as the years go on name after name is put in front to do to be a part of this film but here the other rub of porgy and bess comes to light the thing that these white uh protagonists in the our little drama have yet to realize porgy and bess the story of porgy and bess is a bit problematic. Mm. Now, to be fair, when this film, when this, excuse me, when this whole project, the play and the opera is created in the 20s and, and into the 40s, uh, when it's, it's staged and everything like that, this tale about, you know, the poor lives of these, of these Black people, these Black rural rural blacks is still every bit as problematic but at that time all of the performers who are trained actors trained singers um who are just looking for an opportunity they're ready to do this because it's the only game right. in town right people need a job it's a, yeah it's the only game in town and it's the only game that it's you know, at least it's all of us on the stage, right? You know, it. it you know, if if 
we're not behind the scenes. This this stage is covered from 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 one end to the other. Stage right stage is left with us. And despite not being that great of a of a success, the what little draw there is for the play is substantial substantial enough that there are moments when during its subsequent runs in between this time when the audience does for a moment become segregated because they they do people at least want to be a part of this experience mm-hmm. um so in in that context the story of Porgy and Bess is is a win-win but fast forward to the late 40s and the late 50s African American performers are, are are slowly developing more agency with mm-hmm. their with their careers. Um, a little bit uh, there, while the opportunities are still slim, they are there are certainly enough opportunities out there that can be a little bit more selective about the things that they are going out for. Certainly it's, the big players, especially the bigger players, mm-hmm. such as in in this day and time your harry belafontes right they are they are begging to be in this production and harry belafonte and you know say what you want about the man before the camera behind the camera you cannot knock that man's integrity and he was just like nah not doing it this he's not for it because the story of Porgy and Bess, the story of Porgy, this disabled, you know, um, man coming to the the rescue of this this woman of I don't th- think they na- nail it on the head what Bess is about, but she's not she's about you know that life, right? Let's, right. Let's put right. it that way: drugs, sex, violence. Right. Right. Um, coming to the rescue of, of her, rescuing her from you know the the, the big bad crown right. and the big uh, who seems like a big you know thug criminal what what have you. He's actually a brute. A, a brute. He's actually a brute. Um, rescuing her from the, the 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 sway of sport and life, who seems to be like the local drug dealer <laughs> in the town. Um, Outside of those three, and those are your three leads in this in this whole melodrama that is being played out. Everybody else is just a very bit part, living this very poor, dishe- disheveled, rural existence. Simple stereotyped, life. right? And yeah. and and stereotyped down away to the dialect and the way that they speak and the lives that they live is just about shooting craps. It's just about getting over or whatever. As it seems to be portrayed in a lot of Porgy and Bess. And there are a lot of performers of the day in the late 40s and 50s who are wary of putting that image out there. Right. You know, um, they they understood that you had to do what you had to do in the 30s and the 40s, but at this moment, it was a brand new day. And they mm-hmm. wanted to see that they're figuring that the day hadn't come they could see the sun coming over the horizon and they didn't want to go back into the shadows. Right. So they were not feeling Porgy, Porgy and Bess. It is only f- through some, some canoodling 
that they are able to lock in Sidney Poitier. Yeah. To do this, yeah. to do this movie. And even then, Sidney Poitier is very reluctant. Yes, you know, he has a close friendship with Harry Belafonte. So he's very reluctant for many of the same reasons uh, as Belafonte to do this film. But he also is up for another role right. in the Defiant Ones, right. a film that we have reviewed here on a, a magnificent film with mm-hmm. Tony Curtis that we've reviewed here on the mission. And he is leery of messing up that right. situation. So in a, a story as old as time it's for any actor, but it, uh, especially when you get of a certain clout, on one of them, okay, I'll do one for you, so you could do one for me. He's going to do. He does Porgy and Bess, so that he doesn't mess up. Right, like like so many ones. aspects of the Porgy and Bess story, there there are these conflicting accounts of mm-hmm. what happened. That's true, That's but something true. happened with Sidney Portier and his agent and Samuel Goldwyn, who was a producer, mm-hmm. where where Sidney Portier was being threatened with being sued, mm-hmm. breach a contract, or some, again, it's very unclear, but as you said, Sidney Portier didn't want to mess up his chances with the Defiant Ones. Exactly. But the important thing is he was reluctant right. to be in Porgy and Bess. Speaking of threatening, the only <laughs> performer who was begging to be a part of Porgy and Bess was one Sammy Davis Jr. Yes. Sammy Davis Jr., who at this time in the 40s, 40s and 50s, is he's definitely still a big star, but he's going through a little bit of an identity situation, a little bit of identity crisis as far as, you know, where was his audience? Right. Who was, what would... What did a Sammy Davis Jr. fan look like? Right. And more and more, the story was coming back that the, the, the Sammy Davis Jr. fan looked like a Frank Sinatra fan and not like a Harry Belafonte, uh, Sidney Poitier right. fan. So he really wanted to be involved. Hey, Lynn, how much did he want to be involved? What did he do to well, be involved in, in uh, Porgy and Bess? Allegedly... What Sammy I, I Davis? Mean, I think there were witnesses. Well, I think this actually happened. I don't know, but allegedly, Sammy Davis Jr., who was not the first, second, or third choice to play sport in life in well, this film, first choice was Cab Calloway. Well, who would have been perfect? Well, but Cab, after what happened? Well, Sammy Davis Jr. Reportedly, I believe this is where you're getting at. Contacted his friend. Oh, you I'm you skipped over the part where he auditioned at Judy Garland's party. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yes, he did audition at Judy Garland's party. He there was a party, Judy Garland was having a party where um Samuel, I think Samuel Goldwyn, the 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 Samuel Goldwyn was and, the, and and I think one of the was a cone, one of the other producers, but it was one of the, the widows. Who was there? Oh, the was it like it was a Gershwin widow? It, it, was, it was the widow of Ira Gershwin. Ira Gershwin Ira passed away, and, and passed away in the thirties. Sammy Davis Jr. basically put on a show. Yes, at Judy Garland's party. Right, basically for the, the part as an audition for for sport life. Mrs. Gershwin was so horrified and insulted 
by yes. which she saw as the vulgarity. Yes. She made Samuel Goldwyn swear that not to cast Sammy Davis Jr. Right. Right. Samuel Goldwyn, and again, this is quoted in several sources, so I don't feel bad saying this, said, you don't have to worry about me putting, quote, unquote, that monkey in the movie. That's true. But as we all know, he does end up playing Sporting Life because, and now you can get to the allegedly. The allegedly, because allegedly, Sammy Davis Jr. went over Samuel Goldwyn's head to his friend, Frank Sinatra, who... (laughs) Talk to his friends. Talk to some of his friends who <laughs> were in show business. Were in show business. <laughs> but they were in business of showing you what you was not going to do. And what you was not going to do, Mr. S- Mr. Goldwyn, was not have Mr. Sammy Davis Jr. in your Porgy and Bess. Folks, this P- Porgy and Bess is the craziest story. <laughs> this is just there there are literally a dozen stories yes. connected to poor game best. Like how much you want to talk about the backdrop of poor game best? I want to talk about before it. you get to the actual film. I know because we, have, we haven't even gotten to the actual to the film. The cameras aren't on yet. Like we ain't talked about the directors. The, well that's getting replaced. <laughs> we ain't talked about the arson. Yes. No, we didn't. We ain't talking about <laughs> Sidney Portier stepping the auto primager. I know. We ain't talking about any of it. I know. I know. You, you want to talk about the movie a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, I, I do want to talk about the movie, but uh, I, you got to set it up a little bit. Talk, we could sit here for three hours. I know. Talking you got to set it up. Set up. Because we talked about Sidney Portier. Yes. We talked about Sammy Davis Jr. Yes. We haven't talked about Dorothy Dandridge. Oh, we've not talked about Dorothy Dandridge. Because Dorothy Dandridge, a big star in this movie. Yes. At this time, she is also in this movie. But she is in this movie at a very, very capricious moment in her career. She is just coming, not long coming off of uh, Carmen Jones. Right, four years previous. About Yeah, about three, four years mm-hmm. previous. Which uh, she starred in with Harry Belafonte. Yes. Which was also directed. I was about to say more importantly. By Otto Preminger. It is the film in which uh, Dorothy Dandridge met the director Otto Preminger. Mm -hmm. And it was from that film that began an affair. Yes. Between the two of them. That fast forward to Porgy and Bess had ended badly very badly it was a very acrimonious breakup. very acrimonious breakup by the, by the time that porgy and bess is is um again i think this cameras. is a matter of record dorothy dandridge got pregnant mm-hmm. otto preminger was married dorothy dandridge got pregnant the studio pressured her into having an abortion that's very true yes and then she realized otto preminger was never, never going, going to, to lose his wife, leave wife. No. and then they broke up mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And she's cast in Porgy and Bess, which, as Vincent alluded to, went through many directors' hands um, before they were able to they landed on Otto Preminger. Um, 
at at one time Samuel Goldwyn was trying to get Ilya Kazan, Frank Capra, and even King Vidor to di- direct this movie. He finally settled on Ruben Mamoulian, mm-hmm. who actually directed the original Broadway productions mm-hmm. of Porgy, Porgy and Bess. So, okay, that looks pretty good. You know, he's got some familiarity with the work. Um, but he doesn't stick. Right. <laughs> and they are forced to land on, uh-oh, Otto Preminger. It, now he doesn't stick because Mamoulian clashed with with Goldwyn, um, because uh, as Vincent also alluded to, they had some very big clashes about the scripts mm-hmm. um, uh, and about you know how they wanted to produce the film. Mamoulian wanted to kind of like open it up and film the film the movie on on location, right? You know, um, but Samuel Goldwyn, a little bit on the cheap here, said no. Let's do this on sound stages. You know, Mamoulian smartly. It was a play. He's trying to, you know, open it up, make it make it make it live, make it breathe. Goldwyn is just about turn on the cameras, turn the cameras on the, on the play. Let's get this moving. So he just gives them sound stages. They go back and forth about things, about the script, about um, you know changing over some of the, some of the wording, pulling out some of the, some of the more operatic moments of the of the film. Uh, excuse mess. me of of the script. So Mamoulian leaves, and and Goldwyn already going through his his master list of directors has to settle on Otto Preminger. Which is, of course, not a good look for Dorothy Dandridge. Right. But she's already in the movie. She's already in the movie. She's already there. She's got to do a job. She has to be a professional. And she tries to be as professional as possible. But the word from the set is that Otto Preminger is... Abusive. A very... Very verbally abusive. Very verbally abusive to her on the the set of this Mm -hmm. film. And, you know... Once you know that backstory, I have to say, just as a, a little lean into the film a little bit, it's hard not to see a little bit of it in the movie. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, like yeah. she's very tenuous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you don't see any of the assurance mm-hmm. of the, now, mind you, you know, the four years in between work uh, between Carmen Jones and this were not a picnic for Dorothy Danvers. Sure. You know, personally, but she definitely is on pins and needles mm-hmm. um, throughout this film. Now, Otto, Otto Preminger signs on. Otto Preminger, despite his relationship with, with Dorothy, Dorothy Hendricks, is a director of note. He did do Carmen Jones. Anatomy of a Murder. But he also did Anatomy of a Murder, mm-hmm. which is a, fan, a sensational yes, movie. Lord. So this is a man who knows, you know, how to to film, direct, how to how to move, work his camera and things like that. But he's also Otto Preminger is old school, so mm-hmm. he knows where the 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 bodies are buried in Hollywood, and specifically he knows of the reputation of Samuel Goldwyn. Samuel Goldwyn has a huge reputation of after a movie is filmed, of going into the editing room with the editor. And making a Samuel Goldwyn cut mm-hmm. of a movie, and that's what's going to be released. Otto Preminger is not having any of that, 
And in order to uh, lessen Goldwyn getting his grubby fingers on this film as much as possible, Samuel Goldwyn devises the tactic that auto perimeter, auto perimeter, excuse me, auto perimeter devises the, the, the tactic that I'm going to film this movie in nothing but very, very long cuts there are very there are there are long takes long scenes that go on and many of these scenes auto premature more or less just pops the camera in one spot and it does not move which from an editing standpoint it doesn't give you anything to cut away from there's right. not a lot of coverage there's not there's not a lot of close-ups in this movie it's a lot of three-quarter shots and and um cameras being pulled back um and it nullifies any effect that Samuel Goldwyn can have going into the into the editing room with this film. Mm-hmm. But that also takes a, takes away from Samuel Goldwyn and any editors' bag of tricks of what they can use in telling the story, right? In, in in showing the drama that is on screen mm-hmm. that is happening here. And that, unless there's anything else you want to get into, takes us directly into the film. Right, right. Porgy and Bess. Right. I, I mean, I got a little tidbits, but you, I'll, I'll wait till you actually talk about the movie. <laughs> I, know. I know. So. Because this is catnip. Like it this is. is very much we could just sit and talk about mm-hmm. everything happening around the movie. Yeah. Before so we should probably get the movie in here a little bit. Right. So this movie itself, I mean, the story is 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 basic. You know, mm-hmm. Sidney Poitier is porgy, he's 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 disabled, and in this and, and to show his disabledness, he walks he's he's crippled both of his legs they don't work so he basically walks on his knees um and uh dorothy dandridge is bess a woman of ill repute as we mentioned who is you know rolls around with the brute crown you know played by brock peters Mm -hmm. who is a huge man. Yeah. I did not, I don't, like, I think I've only seen, like, Brock Peters, like, really maybe, like, late 60s and on. Yeah. So this is young Brock Peters. I mean, this is Brock Peters from Carmen Jones. The the Brock Like, he plays the same character. This is Rock Peters. Yeah. yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So, and then you have Sammy Davis Jr. looking like, trying to be, like, a little bit of a Cheshire Cat type of character um, in this film. The the it the movie is a bit of a mess. Mm-hmm. I talked about the direction, mm-hmm. which I could think is it is a mess. Um, I think it is woefully miscast in not so much Dorothy Dandridge, even mm-hmm. though she's walking on eggshells. But I could see wanting Dorothy Dandridge in this movie. Mm-hmm. But Sidney Poitier, yeah, yeah, Sidney Poitier does not know what to, he's doing. 
well, in this movie. He seems like somebody who's in the movie because he's got to keep things cool so he can be in the movie he really wants to be in. Yeah, because he's because when he's called upon to act, which is not often because it's not often, and we'll talk about why, he's really not doing anything but just saying lines. Mm-hmm. I think because of the way that Preminger is filming this movie, you know, with these long takes, there's not a lot of re- retakes. There's not a lot of take twos, take threes. Right. So you're basically getting the first line readings here. And I think that is to the detriment of the performance that Sidney Poitier can give out. Then also, Sidney Poitier is, you know, not a singer, right? No, 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 no. He's not a singer at all. And which means that unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, Sidney Poitier in this movie where he is called upon to sing. Yes. Uh, has his voice dubbed, uh, dubbed more famously don't, by don't, Robert McFerrin. Don't get distracted. The father of Bobby McFerrin. Bobby, McFer- Bobby McFerrin's father is the singing voice of Sidney Poitier in this movie. Yes. Um, and I don't know he was happy about it because uh, it, it's he's not Robert McFerrin is a fantastic voice. Yes. Who sounds nothing like Sidney Poitier. And I understand. How are you going to get that's that's the detail you want to get stuck on? Well, that's okay. <laughs> that's 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 what you want to get stuck on. Well, <laughs> this treasure trove of chaos I'm not that is Porgy and Porgy and Bess. You want to talk about that? I'm not stuck on it. I'm just I'm just mentioning it. Okay. Mentioning it. Because I mean, look, people get dubbed all the time. Yeah. You know, uh, famously, uh, Audrey Hepburn is dubbed in My Fair Lady. So yeah. yeah. It, 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 voices get dubbed all the time. I mean, and Julie Andrews gets dubbed, and she can actually sing. Right. Yeah. Right. So so it happens all the time, and and a lot of times when the voices are dubbed it doesn't sound anything like the person, right? right? It sounds like, yo, that's somebody else, right? So it, so it happens. But usually then the person who is being dubbed can at least mouth the words <laughs> to the song. Right. Sidney Poitier, somebody told him, well, they're going to dub you right here. So Sidney Poitier basically took those takes off. Look. And I, I think his mouth is open. I got the script to the defiant one sitting <laughs> in my dressing room. I'm trying not to actually put my hands on Otto Preminger. That's true. Like that's where all my energy is going. Right. If you're Sidney Poitier. Because yeah, exactly. I'm about to beat his ass. That's very like, true. for real. Right. Because of what he's doing to Dorothy. Right. And, right. And, yeah. So so Sidney yeah. Poitier got a lot going on. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, well. He, he maybe wants to get his hands on Otto Primager, or maybe he wants to get his hands on Diane Carroll. We don't know. Well, we don't know. He could go ahead and get his hands on Diane Carroll. I think he really was thinking, what are the repercussions if I beat his ass? That's true. Which That's true. I 100% want to do. Well, it, and, and perhaps, it, perhaps as the voice was being dubbed, that's what he was mouthing. Because he was not mouthing the words to the song. <laughs> yes, yes. That's my point. Yeah. That's the point I'm going to get yeah, stuck on. Yeah, yeah. He's not mouthing the words to the, to the song. Dorothy Dandridge is, I'm, I think, to be fair, as much as this movie is Porgy and Bess, and she does have a, a, a bit to do in this movie, it, 
I think her timidness really, really shows. And there's no real, you don't feel best. I don't, I don't think no. you really, you no. really ever feel that character develop on screen. Right. And to her defense, I think that's also a lot of the way the character was written. So, so, so that when you talk about revivals of the opera, mm-hmm. like even the revival they just had in New York a few years ago. Yeah, right. They added backstory to to Bess, right? Because they said her character was so slight. That that is that is very true. That is true because you have to remember this was originally Porgy, right? And I actually did see that revival. Yeah, um, in New York a few few years ago with Audra McDonald and Norm Lewis, Mm -hmm. and it was was fantastic. Um. Uh. So yeah. So so they're just kind of phony things, and and then. There's the man who wanted to be in the film, yes, Sammy Davis Jr., um, who I think, to be fair, is trying to give it his all. Oh, no doubt. He's just not given a lot to do. And when he is given his moments, stuff to do, um, especially his big number, ain't necessarily so, mm-hmm. that is where I think the the filmography, mm-hmm. the cinematography it is. Um, really fails him because it doesn't show off mm-hmm. show him off it at all. And I also think to be to be fair, that the choreography of that scene is, is leaves a lot to be uh, to be desired as mm-hmm. well. It's, it's not that not that crisp. It's not it's not anything super imaginative. Like to me, to me, all you really need to do is just get out of Sammy Davis Jr.'s way. But if you're going to have a bunch of people around him, then let's let's make this a number, right? You know, and it's really it's just really comes off very sloppy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much of that is them just not uh, developing this the way that it is deserves to be developed or is this another way of them trying to depict what they think black people of that time are like and that they are sloppy and they they wouldn't know tight choreography and i think even that read is as i'm saying it's giving them a little bit too much credit Mm -hmm. and i think it's just just sloppy and i and i think that's a shame because this definitely was an opportunity for Sammy Davis to really sink his teeth into this character. This is this is a character that can steal the show if done right. I know, even though to me, to be fair, it isn't a production that was just rewritten. In that production that I I mentioned, David Allen Greer played Sport and Life. Oh, okay. And David Allen Greer almost steals the show from Audra McDonald and Norm Lewis. And and if anyone's ever seen any of those two performers, nobody steals the stage from those two. But mm-hmm. it, David Allen Greer almost does. That, but that's how strong, if if done right, that that character of sport and life is. And Sammy Davis in this movie, from from his from his bowler hat to his suit, the cane, and everything, and, and even just the way that he's kind of like dancing, always dancing, even when he's walking along, across the stage. You know, he's trying to to evoke this character. This almost like I mentioned, like Cheshire Cat character, but the 
the direction just doesn't do him any favors. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that you, we are completely in sync. I, I, like, I think, I actually think Sammy Davis Jr. is the best part of the movie. He's absolutely the best part but of the movie. much like you, he's such a kinetic performer mm-hmm. that you need to match that kineticism with the direction. Right. And as you said, there's there's so there's this other stuff going on with Otto Priminger fighting with Samuel Goldwyn that he's not actually directing. Right. Or, or rather, he's not 100 percent focused on direction, mm-hmm. because, as you said, he's trying to keep Goldwyn from chopping it up the yeah. way he wants to. And that's to the detriment to the film. And in a lot of ways, just to just to sort of add to what you've said. This is a perfect metaphor of this film. Like this film never had a chance to be a film because of all the chaos yeah. mm-hmm. that was around the film before they picked up a camera. <laughs> I know. Like everything that you've said. We haven't mentioned Pearl Bailey getting into a, a beef with the costumers because mm-hmm. she says she's not going to wear a rag on her head. But she doesn't. Well, she doesn't. We haven't gotten to talking about the costumes. We haven't gotten to the six-month delay because of the mysterious fire mm-hmm. where everything burned up, but it's sort of accepted lore that some black arsonists did it out of um, protest. protest. We haven't talked about the 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 heated, I won't say shouting match, but debate that Otto Priminger got into on television with Lorraine Hansberry. Oh, you know, over this, you know what you mentioned that. And I saw that note, but look, I didn't look, I didn't look at, I kind of know there's a clip of it. Like you said, this was a film that was plagued with debate and everything like it really was the wrong story at the wrong time like you yeah. said like we are in the midst of uh, that doesn't sound that we're not the midst it's the dawning of the civil rights movement yes at this moment yes and modern black people i've been joking all afternoon these brothers in these suits and i got a part in my hair and Lorraine Hansberry and got her short little haircut. They no one has any patience Mm-mm. for these good time country Negroes on Catfish Row mm-hmm. shooting dice mm-hmm. and doing all this stuff. I said this is like catnip. I always say so. So so we've talked about this before. Like like a lot of film nerds, I went through that period where I was reading all these biographies of all these people, Porky and Bess is the the center spoke that goes to everybody. Harry Belafonte's biography, Sidney Portier's biography, Diane Carroll's biography. Um even though she's not she's like blinking she's no but she was there. Yeah. My point yeah. is like everyone was there. Diane I said did I say Diane Carroll? Yeah. Diane Carroll Nichelle Nichols. Nichols biography. Maya Angelou Everyone talks about the making of Porgy and Bess mm-hmm. and how chaotic it was. And I've said it, but but it, it's really worth mentioning. 
everyone talks about the confrontation between Sidney Poitier and Otto Priminger that happened on the set, mm-hmm. where Poitier apparently was going damn near shut down the production and stepped to Otto Priminger and said, you will not speak to Dorothy Dandridge in this fashion. Right. It's a mess. It's a mess. And and I'll say I like Sammy Davis Jr. more than you did. But but I, I'm 100% with you that the, the filmmaking lets him down. Mm-hmm. I think we talk about it, it ain't necessarily so. There's a boat leaving soon for New York. Mm. I think is is fantastic. Like he's actually the devil. Yeah. And and <laughs> I love that. And if there's any pop in this film, it's him trying to make the pop. But like you said, this is this is a film. And I think I think it's it's a it's a film where the story around it is so much more fascinating than the film itself, even to the point. So, so, you know, let's just go ahead and finish the, the history of the film. The film has a short run. Mm -hmm. It closes very quickly. It famously, this is the end of Samuel Goldwyn's career. Yeah. This This is his his career as a producer. As a producer. The Gershwin's, shut down any showings of the film so which is why in 2022 you have to see it in these frankly illegal channels right and to be fair the Gershwin shut shut down the film because they too were unhappy with the finished product and and depending on who you believe this is apocryphal the Gershwin estate denies that this happened but there are a fair number of reports that say that the Gershwins wanted the prince destroyed. Yes. So there's some debate right. about whether or not a pristine print exists. You're right, because the, the apocryphal story is that after a certain time, after the rights, after the full rights right. reverted back to the Gershwins, because the film couldn't be re-released, it couldn't do anything with it without the Gershwins signing on to it. Right. But then after a certain amount of time, all of the rights reverted to the Gershwins. And it is said at that time that the estate bought all the copies of the film and then burnt them. And that's why there's- Right, which is something that they have denied. Something that they denied. But once again, there's there's no pristine print of Porgy and Bess to this day that you- have access to none and and i think in a lot of ways that has helped with the myth of it the myth of porgy best because for a lot of people and i'm including myself in this all i knew about porgy and best for years was the music yeah because the music uh you know miles davis has an album um you, you know i think about nina simone's version of i love you porgy here you go. The, the, the casting, the album from this what? actually has um, who is it? Louis Armstrong. Yeah. And Ella Fitzgerald. Right. But you know who the cast album doesn't have? Sammy, Sammy Davis, Davis Jr. Jr. Because he was contracted to another record label. So he couldn't be on the cast recordings for the movie 
that he had the best song. Right, because on the cast album, that's when they, I think Cab Calloway, right. who they wanted, he, he is on the cast So album. then Sammy Davis Jr. and Carmen McRae mm-hmm. released an album of Porky and Best Songs. Where Sammy Davis sings all of he, his songs. Where he sings all the songs. Right. It's, it is, it's a crazy story. Yes. Like the only thing that would make it crazier is if Sammy Davis sings Porgy and Bess was the B-side of Sammy Davis sings all your TV favorite theme songs. <laughs> it's actually a really good album. I've been listening to it all day. The Sammy Davis. Sammy Davis Jr. and Carmen McRae uh, do Porgy and Bess. I believe that. Because There's a Boat Leaving Soon for New York is like him, him basically pushing best into prostitution I know. and drugs i know <laughs> i know i know it's terrible it is it is terrible it's also really really striking <clears throat> and another reason why i guess i can understand why well not guess i understand the the heated furor over this film by the african-american audience um in his depiction of you know blacks in this in this film i thought it was interesting that you know even at this time in film in in hollywood and on television where you know you famously couldn't show a married couple in bed together Mm -hmm. you had to have separate beds um if they were kissing on a bed one or on a couch one leg had to be on the floor mm-hmm. you know but in this film while it's not said outright you kind of know what type of life best is is living yeah um there is you know not subtle at all depictions of drug use yeah happy of, dust yeah, the happy dust. And, and I say not subtle at all for this time. I mean, they basically turn their back and then come back and they're all right, all hopped up. All hopped up and yeah. stuff, you know. Um which is stuff that you would you weren't seeing right in 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 other Hollywood fare. So I could see the 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 fewer, like because they just didn't care, you know. Right, right. Well, I I think. I think it really it's this flashpoint where where the civil rights movement is is almost weaponizing dignity. Mm. You know, we call certainly we call it respectability politics and all now, but it really was this again weaponizing where when we protest we're going to wear our Sunday bests. Right. And 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 we're going to be pristine in our speech mm-hmm. and the way we conduct ourselves. Mm-hmm. And Porgy and Best seems like a throwback to the stereotypes that we're trying to fight. And as we mentioned at the very beginning, it doesn't help that this was the creation of some white people and some Jewish people. Like you can't even like this isn't even a case of of with Oscar Michelle, where he received the same type of critique. Mm-hmm. At least he's black. Yeah. Like at least Oscar and Michelle can say, well, you know, I'm black and I'm around black people and this is what I hear. Yeah. So they're like that tension is there. And then it also doesn't help that Otto Priminger is the face of it. That's true. Because true. again, I, I, what, what 
what I've been fascinated for like 20 years about Porgy and Bess. Everybody in Black Hollywood knew about Otto Preminger and Dorothy Dandridge and what had happened. And everybody knew. So when 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 Lorraine Hansberry comes to him with the heat, mm-hmm. it's some heat. And this is this is all part of this package. I know that you get, which which again, it's 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 fascinating to me that for for those of us who weren't around in the fifties, all we know about Porgy and Bess is the music. Yeah, because I think even the opera didn't start having revivals until fairly recently. Well, yeah, fa- fa- fairly recently. It was put on a, a few times. It was most famously put um revived in the 70s and i if i remember correctly because it was around 76 if i remember correctly that's when i first saw poor game best but i was a kid mm-hmm. and my mom you know was very big on taking us to the, like, new york every year to okay see, like a couple of plays and that's when we saw poor game best i don't really remember it so much i know my mom bought the album and would play that in the house um but I just remember, you know, it's like it was singing. It was singing. You know, right, it was cool. right, but, right. But right. it was definitely a, an, an audience, and it was, and that kind of <clears throat> that opera at that time was slightly rewritten for right. for to, for a more contemporary audience, right? And so it it actually was very well received. And then again, like you mentioned. And I think it was like about 2011, 2012 yeah, yeah. is put back up. That is even more uh, recontextualized mm-hmm. by uh, Susie Lauren Park, Lauren right. Parks. Um, and even though Stephen Sondheim didn't like what they did right. w- with it, everybody else loved it. Right. And that was a huge right. success on Broadway. Yeah. Well, I think if it's going to survive. You has to. You, you're gonna have to have some black voices behind speak it. to the voices. Yeah, speak, right. speak to it right. because, to be fair, even though you know we we spoke about the the white originators of this project, what is Porgy and Bess? To be fair to the Gershwins, I like a lot of the music. The, the music is is sublime. Yeah. And, and and even though I think it, 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 you know, I think it is, you know, um, not 100% soulful, you know, it, it, but it's, it still is very evocative. Well, I think it depends on who's singing it. Well, that, and there you go. Right. There like you Nina go. Simone singing, I love you, Porgy is, is heart wrenching. Yeah, yeah, but it's Nia Simone. It's Nia Simone. It's see, and it, it's right. not the opera, right? Right. That's the difference, right? And, and I have to say, I think part of the reason that for me, Sammy Davis Jr. is the real standout because he's not because he's right, right. It, that's true. Right. It ain't necessarily every... so. And there's a boat leaving soon for New York. He sings it like a Sammy Davis Jr maybe show tune like maybe like yeah. arguably show tune mm-hmm. but it's jazz but there's certainly a lot more of of, of a rhythm to it right, right as opposed to yes you is my woman now right which, right you know, god bless mr mcferrin but yeah 
I actually almost threw my computer down when I got to that. It said the singing voice was Robert McFerrin, the father of Bob. I was like, really? Really? This is this thing is just bananas. I wish I was like you and watched it on the computer because we were able to get a copy of it, uh, MP4 of it. But no, me, Len, I had to put it on my flash drive and then plug it into my TV and watch it on the big screen. Mm. What was the print? It's the same print. The, it's the same print. I wonder if that's just the same print that everyone has. It probably is. Right. It's, because while it's not, it's far from a pristine print. Yeah. It's good enough. Right, right, to right. To appreciate it. And, and apparently they... um. You can go watch it at the Library of Congress. Yeah, see now, I would be I would be interested in whether or not that print right would print that is, is the same print. Yeah, which I'm not going to find out. Right. Well, I guess that we, <laughs> but... we, we we come to the eternal question. <laughs> Lynn, would you recommend Porgy and Bess? No. Okay. And I think it's a shame. Okay. I think it's a, I think it really is a shame because. I want there to be a filmed Porgy and Bess. Now, to be fair, I I want it to be Audra McDonald and right, Norman right, Lewis. Right. Um, Are they talking about doing that? I feel like I've heard I murmurings I, of them. I think there was murmurings around the time. Yeah, but I mean, we're already talking ten years ago. Yeah, you yeah. know. So I don't I I don't know. I yeah. I, I could certainly see them doing something akin to what they did with Hamilton. Right, right. And making right. that work. Last tidbit, because Audrey McDonald is actually in it. So she got to sing it, which they wouldn't do. One of the people that they asked a voice. Oh, Leotine best, Price. Leotine Price. And Leotine Price said, no body, no voice. That's right. So if you're not going to let me play best, you don't get to have my voice. I'm telling you, this thing, you're talking <laughs> about six degrees of Derville Martin. <laughs> Like you could really do six degrees of 1959's Porgy and Bess. That's true. Like 15 years ago, when I was reading Michelle Nichols' biography, and then she has a whole section on Porgy and Bess. Yeah, because she I'm makes like, her debut in this film. Right, she's she's one of the backup, one of the dancers. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, God damn, was just everybody in Porgy and Bess? Pretty much. Pretty much. This was the job. I disagree with you. Okay. I think you have to watch Porgy and Bess. Historical. For historic, like you just have, like I'll go so far as to say, if you are listening in the DMV and you're close to the Library of Congress, I think it's worth the drive to the Library of Congress. Look, look, make a day of it. Go to Ben's Chili Bowl, get some chili fries. I've never been to Ben's. You know, go to um, the museums. Mm -hmm. Go to the Library of Congress and watch it. I, I really do think it is one of those. It's a two-hour movie, man. It is a two-hour movie. It it look, it's a two-hour movie, and <laughs> and it's very much a two-hour yeah. movie. I don't know. Vince. Which I, it's a two-hour movie that you're trying to figure out why it's a two hours. I know <laughs> because you you feel the end. You, you and well, yet there's well, another. There's, you know the whole minutes. subplot with the hurricane and Diane Carroll runs out into the hurricane barefoot and. Abandons her baby. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because she's never seen a kid. Right. One woman is telling people don't go to the hospital because everybody I pray over gets better. And then she has a song about Dr. Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, I think you kind of have to watch it. You're not selling it. I mean, look, <laughs> look, man. It's Porgy and Bess. 
uh, frankly, you're not going to. It, it's funny. I guess you have more of an opportunity to watch it now than you have tr- historically, because I think it might be on YouTube. Yeah. Like, I think I saw a couple of YouTube. So, so you know, if you get a chance, watch it. But every single solitary thing around this film, mm-hmm. I heartily recommend. Oh, like, like I said, all of these 50s black performers that speak about it. Uh, I, I mentioned um, Nina Simone. Uh, Miles Davis's Porgy and Bess is one of my favorite albums mm-hmm. ever. That Sammy Davis, Carmen McRae album I just mentioned that I just found today mm-hmm. is fantastic. Uh, but yeah, but, okay, but yeah, the periphery of Porgy I, and Bess. I basically want the multimedia yeah, Porgy and Bess. Yeah, that's what you want. That's what you want. But you have to have it in this. It's sort of like Thanksgiving, where you know how you get the turkey, but you really want. The- but you're really focused on the macaroni and cheese right, and, right. and everything else. This is sort of the turkey. This is the turkey. Well, you're in right. In the middle of the plate. Truer words have never been said. This is the turkey. This is the turkey in the <laughs> middle of your Thanksgiving plate, even though you're focused on right. the sides. It and is the you, star of the story that nobody's paying attention. Right, to. right, right. And then you gotta you gotta do it right so you're not too full to have some sweet potato pie. And mm. but but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh well. See, that's your recommendation, and you. Almost got me going there. Yeah. But the only reason I, I won't co-sign with you is because I do think, like you said, the oral history, which unfortunately we'll probably will never have now, um, right. of the making of this film is phenomenal. Must read. Yeah. Any album related to Porgy and Bess almost gotta listen to i mean they're jazz standards but the taking in of it and i'm not a big musical person Mm -hmm. but i do have to say the performance that i watch was an opera right you know and this is americanized opera sure for for sure and i really enjoyed it and i actually feel like that is the way to experience Porgy and Bess. So actually see the opera. To actually see a production okay. of Porgy and Bess. Okay. All right. Whew. That was a hurricane like the hurricane in Porgy and Bess. Which, which is where their budget went. Um, <laughs> but that was fun, actually. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we're going to tell you what is coming up next week, as we are moving further along, wow, this was episode 296, Vincent. Pearl Bailey said, I ain't wearing no rag on my head. You're not going to have me look like Aunt Mama." And she didn't look like Aunt Mama. No, she looked, man. And she did as much as Aunt Mama in this movie. Look, she I did hear her nothing. saying that, but young Pearl Bailey was... She didn't do she, anything. She, but she cuts quite a figure. I don't know why she thought she was going to look like Aunt Mama. No. It's very true. She's very true. Um, we invite you to... Check us out, the Misho Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. Go to MichaudMission.com where you can hit swag and check out all the cool designs and gifts that we have available. 
for your buying pleasure by way of our good friends at T Public, including our Six Degrees of Durville Martin collection, which I ask you if you've gotten uh, a Durville Martin um, swag, please send us your picture so we can share that on our social media, just like Miss um, Eldridge did. We really appreciate that. And so does, so does our social media director. She loves that. Um, you can also email us at mission at gmail.com and also feel free to leave us a voicemail. Yes. Call 215-867-9666 and tell Vincent and Len what's on your mind. That phone number is on our Facebook page, uh, Sabria, and it will soon be on our Instagram and Twitter pages as well. Like and follow the Show Mission on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Show Mission. Subscribe on YouTube and Twitch to at Show Mission. And if you really want to help us, the best way that you can help us is tell anyone you can about our little show so that they can listen any way they can. And feel free to give us five stars and a rating and a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Remember, the Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. Next week on the Michelle Mission is episode 297. As All I right. mentioned, it is Vincent's selection. And we thought we'd loosen things up and have a little fun here on the mission as we round into the end. Yes. And we go to the year of 1984. Mm-hmm. I forgot what I picked. You did? I, I, I completely forgot what I picked. Well, let me remind you. Please do. As we head out west. Okay. Out for west. Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, damn. I really was. I'm <laughs> I'm not taking my foot off y'all's neck. No, you are not. (laughs) No, you are not, Vincent. Beverly Hills Cop. Very nice. With Eddie Murphy. I'm glad I picked that. I haven't watched Beverly Hills Cop in a few years. It's been a while since I've watched this movie as well. I'm looking forward to that. I am definitely looking forward to this movie. This should be a lot of fun. Uh, Eddie Murphy at the height of his, dare I say, at the height of his powers in this movie. Oh, I didn't really think that stumped you. I think he's better in trading places, I think. But I guess we'll talk about it next week. You think he's better in trading? But I say that because I like Eddie Murphy, the comedian. I think Beverly Hills Cop, he's Eddie Murphy, the star. Yes. yes. Like, he's very much Eddie Murphy, the headliner, the star. Well, I think this may be his first uh, movie with his name above the title. Well, and also this is the first movie that he's playing a role that was written that wasn't written for a comedian. That's true because it was written for him. Right. This this was Sylvester. I can't, boy, it's, it's a shame we won't have an opportunity to talk about all this. You know what is going on? I, I was just getting. I thought I gave you a layup. I, I know. I know. <laughs> Pearl Bailey said. <laughs> okay. All right. We got to get out of here. Don't put no rag on my head. Have me out here looking like Aunt Jemima. I hope you were entertained, Wendy, and I hope you join us next week. <laughs> Until then, he's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to leave.